Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about multiple sclerosis. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerodefinals.com slash ms or in the neurology section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals medicine book. And you can find flashcards and questions to train your knowledge on this content and help you remember the information for longer at members.zerotofinals.com. So let's get straight into it. Multiple sclerosis, or MS, is a chronic, progressive, autoimmune condition involving demyelination in the central nervous system. The immune system attacks the myelin sheath of the myelinated neurons. And we'll talk in more detail about this pathophysiology shortly. Multiple sclerosis typically presents in young adults, in people under the age of 50 years, and it's more common in women. So let's talk in more detail about the pathophysiology. Myelin covers the axons of neurons, of nerve cells, and it helps electrical impulses to travel faster. It's an important coating on the cables that deliver messages around the body. Myelin is provided by cells that wrap themselves around the axons and these are the oligodendrocytes in the central nervous system and the sworn cells in the peripheral nervous system. Multiple sclerosis affects the central nervous system and the oligodendrocytes. Inflammation and immune cell infiltration cause damage to the myelin affecting the electrical signals moving along the neurons. When a patient presents with symptoms of a multiple sclerosis attack, for example an episode of optic neuritis, which we'll talk about in more detail shortly, there are often other demyelinating lesions throughout the central nervous system, most of which are not causing symptoms. In early disease, remyelination can occur, where the myelin recovers and the symptoms resolve. In the later stages of the disease, remyelination is incomplete and the symptoms gradually become more permanent. A characteristic feature of multiple sclerosis is that the lesions vary in location, meaning that the affected sites and the symptoms change over time. The lesions are described as disseminated in time and space, and this is a description that's worth remembering. The exact cause of multiple sclerosis is unclear, but there's growing evidence that it may be influenced by multiple genes, the Epstein-Barr virus, or EBV, having a low vitamin D, smoking, and obesity. Let's talk about the onset. Symptoms usually progress over more than 24 hours. They tend to last days to weeks at the first presentation and then improve. There are many ways that multiple sclerosis can present which depend on where the lesions are located. Let's talk about optic neuritis, which is the most common presentation of multiple sclerosis. Optic neuritis involves demyelination of the optic nerve, which takes signals from the eye to the brain. It presents with unilateral reduced vision, with loss of vision on one side developing over hours to days. Key features of optic neuritis are a central scotoma, 
which is an enlarged central blind spot, pain with eye movement, impaired color vision, and a relative afferent pupillary defect. A relative afferent pupillary defect is where there is more pupil constriction when shining a light in the contralateral eye than in the affected eye. When testing the direct pupillary reflex, which involves shining a light in an eye to see the pupil response in the same eye, there is a reduced response to shining light in the eye affected by optic neuritis. However, the affected eye has a normal pupil response when testing the consensual pupillary reflex, meaning that when shining light in the unaffected eye, the affected eye will constrict. Multiple sclerosis is not the only cause of optic neuritis. Other causes of optic neuritis include sarcoidosis, systemic lupus erythematosus, syphilis, measles or mumps, neuromyelitis optica and Lyme disease. Patients presenting with an acute loss of vision need urgent ophthalmology input. Optic neuritis is treated with high-dose steroids. Changes on an MRI scan can help predict which patients will go on to develop multiple sclerosis after a single episode of optic neuritis. Next, let's talk about eye movement abnormalities that can occur with multiple sclerosis. Lesions affecting the oculomotor, trochlea or abducens nerves, which are cranial nerves 3, 4 and 6, can cause double vision or diplopia and nystagmus. Nystagmus refers to rapid, uncontrolled repetitive eye movements, typically seen as the eyes rapidly moving side to side. Oscillopsia is another visual symptom commonly seen in multiple sclerosis and it refers to the visual sensation of the environment moving and being unable to create a stable image. Internuclear ophthalmoplegia is caused by a lesion in the medial longitudinal fasciculus. The nerve fibres of the medial longitudinal fasciculus connect the oculomotor nucleus to the abducens nucleus. These fibres are responsible for coordinating the eyes so that they move together. Internuclear ophthalmoplegia causes features when looking to the side. It causes impaired adduction or inward moving on the same side as the lesion, the ipsilateral eye, and nystagmus in the other eye, the contralateral abducting eye. So for example, when looking to the right, the left eye will not adduct and the right eye will have nystagmus. Next, let's talk about focal neurological symptoms. Multiple sclerosis may present with focal weakness, for example, incontinence, Horner syndrome, facial nerve palsy or limb paralysis. It can present with focal sensory symptoms, for example, trigeminal neuralgia, numbness, paresthesia or pins and needles, and Lermit's sign. Lermit's sign describes an electric shock sensation that travels down the spine and into the limbs when flexing the neck. It indicates disease in the cervical spinal cord in the neck in the dorsal column. 
It's caused by stretching the demyelinated dorsal column of the spinal cord in the neck. Transverse myelitis is the term that refers to a site of inflammation in the spinal cord, which results in sensory and motor symptoms depending on the location of the lesion. Next let's talk about ataxia. Ataxia is a problem with coordinated movement. It can be sensory or cerebellar. Sensory ataxia is due to a loss of proprioception, which is the ability to sense the position of the joint. For example, whether the joint is neutral, flexed or extended. Sensory ataxia results in a positive Romberg's test, where the patient loses balance when standing with their eyes closed and it can cause pseudoathetosis, which is involuntary writhing movements because the brain doesn't know where the joint is positioned. A lesion in the dorsal columns of the spine can cause sensory ataxia in patients with multiple sclerosis. Cerebellar ataxia results from problems with the cerebellum coordinating movement and this indicates a cerebellar lesion in patients with multiple sclerosis. Let's talk about the disease patterns. The disease course of multiple sclerosis is highly variable between individuals. Some patients have mild relapsing remitting episodes for life while others have symptoms that progress without any improvement from the very start. There are classifications used to describe the patterns, which are not separate conditions but part of a spectrum of disease activity. Clinically isolated syndrome describes the first episode of demyelination and neurological signs and symptoms. Patients with clinically isolated syndrome may never have another episode or they may go on to develop multiple sclerosis. Lesions on an MRI scan indicate a higher probability of developing multiple sclerosis. Relapsing remitting MS is the most common pattern when it's first diagnosed. This is characterized by episodes of disease and neurological symptoms followed by recovery. The symptoms tend to occur in different areas with each episode. Relapsing remitting MS can be further classified based on whether the disease is active or worsening. Active means that new symptoms are developing or new lesions are appearing on an MRI scan. Not active means no new symptoms or MRI lesions are developing. Worsening means there's an overall worsening of disability over time. And not worsening means there's no worsening of disability over time. Secondary progressive MS is where there was relapsing remitting disease but now there is a progressive worsening of symptoms with incomplete remissions. The symptoms become increasingly permanent. Primary progressive MS involves worsening disease and neurological symptoms from the point of diagnosis without relapses and remissions. Let's talk about the diagnosis. The diagnosis is made by a neurologist based on the clinical picture suggesting lesions that change in location over time. Remember that term that the lesions are described as disseminated in time and space. Other causes for the symptoms need to be excluded. 
Investigations that can support the diagnosis include an MRI scan to demonstrate typical lesions and lumbar puncture which can detect oligoclonal bands in the cerebrospinal fluid. Finally, let's talk about management. A specialist multidisciplinary team manages patients with multiple sclerosis and this will involve neurologists, specialist nurses, physiotherapists and occupational therapists. Disease-modifying therapies aim to induce long-term remission with no disease activity. Many options of these target various aspects of the immune system to reduce relapses and disease progression. Relapses of multiple sclerosis may be treated with steroids. The NICE guidelines from 2022 suggest using methylprednisolone either 500 milligrams orally daily for 5 days or 1 gram intravenously daily for 3 to 5 days where oral treatment has previously failed or the relapses are severe. The other aspect of treatment is to treat the symptoms and this includes exercise to maintain activity and strength. Fatigue may be managed with amantadine modafinil or SSRI antidepressants. Neuropathic pain may be managed with medications, for example amitriptyline or gabapentin. Depression can be managed with antidepressants such as SSRIs. Urge incontinence may be managed with antimuscarinic medications, for example solifenacin. Spasticity of the muscles may be managed with baclofen or gabapentin and oscillopsia may be managed with gabapentin or memantine. So thanks for listening to this episode on multiple sclerosis. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. There's loads of details in this episode, so if you want to try and remember the information for longer and see which details you've missed, head over to members.zerotofinals.com to test yourself on the flashcards and questions there. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about motor neurone disease.